was quick. Wait, Christy, we're live? Yeah. Are we good? Yes. Yep. Okay. Hey, we were live with Happy and Succeeding, the Future of Work. And we have Lisa Lewin today, CEO of, uh, you, know, you know, I got to ask you this. Why General Assembly? Because that's, that's. I, it's know, a great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question. I I yes. can take uh, no credit, uh, nor any blame, but I, I yes. can't take any credit for uh, for the for the name. Um, the the term um, it, it, how it evolved um, really has to do with uh, with General Assembly's origin story, which is when um, the uh, the founders Jake Schwartz, who I know you also uh, know, um, and uh, and his co-founders really established General Assembly. It was first as a co-working space. Um, the, the Flatiron campus that uh, evolved to become its flagship um, campus and, and the HQ for the whole company. Um, it was uh, was originally a co-working space that was attended to assemble um, and bring together, right? Think of an assemblage or an assembly of great minds um, in the interest of, of thinking new thoughts and creating new ideas, particularly around emerging technologies. So that's, I think that's how the name That makes, I never thought of it that way. Now it all is clear. I, I was always wondering, but you know how you wonder, but you don't want to ask because you want to be like rude or be dumb. Like, why is that? But, you know, I, I found out that it's better to ask questions even if it makes you feel dumb so this way you know the answers and I feel better so yeah I'm, so, I'm glad you asked because I'm sure half of my friends think I work for the UN so this was a great uh, thing to, yeah, seriously when at first when when Alan DeHaze was saying about you know General Assembly I, I did between us I thought it was like a UN thing I wasn't sure I'm like Why sure I'll, Echo group I'll write about the it. UN yeah <laughs> I was like, oh, sure that sounds interesting I, I'm like I don't know anything about the UN I was a kid when I went to UN with my class but that's about it but okay so so maybe you could tell a little bit about General Assembly because I think as I understand what you do is fantastic you know you offer classes coursework upskilling so people could kind of pivot and reinvent themselves maybe go into tech into different sectors and really empower workers so that they can kind of take their career to the next level. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the type of you know, things that you offer. Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about where, where General Assembly um, started and its roots, which was, um, you know, it was established about a decade ago. Um, and, uh, and the whole idea behind it, in addition to being a co-working space, um, was to host programs and classes that help folks who maybe weren't um, in tech get access to a great tech career. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it has been doing that ever since, just on a larger and larger scale and increasing the, the, the programs that it offers in areas like software engineering, in UX uh, design, in um, program management, in product management, in, um, in an array of, of both digital and tech fields, um, and classes that are not just effective because they're, you know, they're, they're built by folks in the field. That was one of the kind of core choices that was made at the very beginning that we still do, which is all of our curriculum is designed by folks in industry who understand the roles that we're training for. Um, 
but the other the other thing is that they're they're designed to be really really lively really engaging really fun and in a cohort-based model where folks are actually kind of learning studying and getting you know great you know energy um one one to another um so that's that has always been ga's core and we've just continued to really build on that legacy um the other thing that we do jack in addition to offering programming for individuals is we also have a really robust um enterprise business um i i know that you have talked to you know a number of CHROs, CEOs, CIOs, CTOs um, on this show. And um, you know, one of the common pain points that everyone is having right now is attracting talent. Attracting talent right now is really hard. Attracting tech talent is even harder. Um, and you know, and on the topic of say diversity, attracting a tech workforce that is also as diverse as users of technology mm -hmm. is even harder. And so in addition to the work that we do um, to uh, deliver programs to individuals, we also do a tremendous amount of work with large enterprises in giving them solutions that help them get access to great um, you know, job ready, diverse tech talent. Um, and then lastly, the last thing that we do is we actually do a lot of work with, um, with government entities at the city level, at the state level, and at um, the national level to um, really stand up effective uh, what we call community reskilling programs that help leaders you know in um, you know in the in the public sector to really create more thriving um, talent ecosystems and ensure that local folks have got the sort of you know digital and tech skills that they need to be employed which is particularly important given all of the dislocation and disruption that we've had in the labor market since covid so that's what we do yeah i think what you do is so important because what, as you pointed out, yeah, I've been speaking to so many folks lately, and in terms of the tech sector in particular, um, it seems as if the last two years, and to use a you know, trite way of saying it, you know, accelerated, you know, unprecedented rate in that it took us into this you know, kind of digital online world, which maybe would have taken another 10 years, but it compressed it into this tight frame. So now you have all this innovation, all this, all these new companies being started, uh, all these apps, these platforms, innovation, and there's not enough people. You know, literally, there's not enough people to, to go there and do the job, which is, a, in a way, it's good, but in a way, it's challenging because it stands in the way of progress if you don't have enough people to do it. So you can't just manufacture folks, but you can train them and upskill them. And that's, I think, the, the, the key of what you, you folks do is that you're able to take maybe someone like myself or Christine, our producer, who's behind the scenes working everything, to say, hey, you know, would you maybe be interested in moving into cybersecurity and being a software engineer, a developer, or what have you? And that's, I think, a really smart way of how you can kind of build out that pool. And then also to build it out you know, from a diversity perspective as well, to tap into folks who may have not been um, apprised of all these opportunities to say, hey, come on in, we want you, we'll train you, and you can join us. So I, I, I think you have the right services at the right time, and it serves a kind of a huge need, right? Is that you're, what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what we're, what we're seeing. I mean, I think you've captured it really well. You know, another, another way to think about it is that if you are a chief information officer, a chief technology officer, um, or a CHRO, you have a, a fundamental challenge right now when it comes to keeping your tech workforce staffed, which is you've got more roles than there are people to fill them. Yeah. 
right? It's exactly the opposite in a lot of other fields where there are usually, you know, more, more, more people for, for the number of roles and where attracting um, and, uh, and, and, and recruiting talent is a, is a selection game, right? It's a matter of how do we separate all the wheat from the chaff to identify the person that meets that requirement. Um, what we have right now in tech, because of the kind of rapid technologization of every industry that's only accelerated in the last couple of years, you have exactly the opposite, where there are more empty spots than there are people to fill, that there are people trained to fill them. And so that has opened up a lot of new, really exciting opportunities. Number one, it has opened up an opportunity for um, a different approach to education, this sort of you know, accelerated, very fit to purpose, very industry aligned mode of of, um, of, of education that, you know, we sometimes refer to as, you know, the boot camp, but it's effectively to say, look, traditional higher ed does a, you know, great job of graduating a new crop of, you know, of, you know, a few, you know, several thousand new, new technologists into the field through computer science programs every year. And that's only a fraction of the total yeah. need. So we've got to access new ways. There've got to be new needs, new pathways um, you know, like ours and like folks like us, there've got to be new and more accelerated pathways to training up and skilling up the right talent for the field. Um, but the other uh, opportunity that it's opened up is it has basically forced um, companies to say, we really need to, we need to think about talent differently, right? We need to, A, when we're looking outside, we need to maybe change the, our traditional approach, which is looking at things like, you know, pedigree, um, you know, the requirement for a four-year college degree, and maybe look at some other alternative types of credentials. And it is also, and, you know, you said it beautifully, it's also, you know, triggered this need to, to look internally as well and say, how do we take folks who are in roles that are maybe obsolete or will be obsolete and how do we retrain them and reskill them for these new roles? And so that's really the, the sort of support that we provide um, on both sides of that equation. That's the support and those are the services we provide to companies who are trying to either upskill or reskill their internal employee base and or tap into non-traditional external pools. And then on the job seeker side of that, for people who feel like, you know, who maybe have experience in one field, but really want to be technologists, we offer that pathway and that on-ramp um, into a, um, you know, into a, a vibrant and higher wage um, tech field. So for people who are watching this now, if they're interested, how would this work? Are they, are the courses long, they're short, or can you kind of take a, can you go different paths? Maybe you could kind of share, how does this all play out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, there are, luckily, there are many pathways to a, um, you know, to a, to a tech career. You know, one is one that we talked about, um, which is, you know, kind of, you know, traditional higher education. You know, if you, if you at, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old already know that you want to enter the field, you know, you can choose to sort of, you know, major in, you know, in computer science or another STEM field. And that's one really, really vibrant path that I wish more young people would choose and I wish more of and more diverse young people would choose. So there's that. So let's put that to one side. But not everybody 
has access to that pathway in traditional higher education. And not everybody knows that that's the path they want to take at you know, 17, 18, 19, or 20. So there's an entire universe of folks that are maybe mid-career or folks that maybe were not, um, did not have access to um, uh, traditional higher education, which you know is, is not inexpensive. And so, you I know- two, I have two kids, so I know very well. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, it is not cheap. Well, you and I will both be working for a very long time. <laughs> Retirement, I've, I've got them too. <laughs> Retirement is nowhere close for either of us. Um, so, um, so, so that is, you know, so that's not a pathway that's necessarily accessible to everybody. And so what we do is we create a really accelerated program. You can come if you're an individual and you're interested in, you know, in becoming a Java developer, or you're interested in digital marketing, or you're interested in product management, um, and, uh, and you have not you know, and that is not the field that you're coming from. We offer both intensive, immersive courses that are only about, you know, 12 or so weeks, 10 to 12 weeks, where that's you can- not long at all. No. Right? That's and not it, long at all. That's right. But it is hyper-focused, hyper-focused on the um, the skills that you need to really enter, to be, you know, to be an entry-level and productive and job-ready um, you know, either developer or data analyst or business analyst or, or digital marketer. So that's one type of, um, of program that we offer. Another type of program that we offer is we, we, you can do that on a more flexible basis. I think one of the things that we have learned over the last couple of years is that people want to be able to work and learn in ways that meet and that are flexible and that match their and align with their own lives and their own needs. So we also have flexible kind of evening and weekend. Um, it's a little longer. It takes you know a few more weeks, but you can do it outside of your your day job, if you will. And then we also, in addition to our immersives, we also have just shorter kind of you know upskilling uh, type um, type programs. You know where they might be a couple of weeks or a few weeks, and you can completely do them um, outside of outside of your your work and get your skills sort of just topped up a little bit in some of these key um, technology uh, technology areas. So that's the, those are the type of programs that we offer. And that's great. And as I understand, you have formally started out, as you mentioned, with co-working space and you had your roots in the physical, you know, where you have offices, buildings and such, but just fairly recently you moved all virtual. So for people who want to take courses, you don't have to worry about schlepping to whatever office or whatever. They could just do it from the comfort of their own home and just log online, right? I guess that's how it works. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And we did that for for a few reasons. Number one, um, you know, again, the the pandemic has you know probably permanently changed the way that we think about um, both working and learning, and um, and adults really are looking for opportunities to. Um, access, uh, you know, to access learning in a way that fits into their lives. And that's increasingly in, you know, hybrid and remote environments. Um, and so this was really just um, following the, the needs and the wants and the new expectations um, of, our, of our customer base. So that's number one. Um, number two, this was a, um, a really important way of us expanding our reach to more people who are looking for this opportunity. Meaning when we were fully campus-based, our reach, our market reach was largely limited to 
the drive time exactly. or the commute time to each of our campuses. Yeah. And this has really allowed us to literally expand across borders our ability to deliver this opportunity to more folks. Um, so that's um, so that's another really critical reason. So that's and, exciting. Um, we're, we're, what, what country, what, we're, like, what countries are you in now or plan to be in? Yeah, sure. Well, first, I'll start with our kind of, you know, what has historically been our core, which is, uh, you know, largely kind of, you know, big eight Anglophone countries. So US, Canada, UK, um, Singapore, Australia. And I'll tell you, even in those markets, just going virtual has allowed us to expand um, our reach, even in the countries where we previously had a footprint. For example, we never had a campus in Idaho. We never had a campus. And, you know, there were a lot of markets. There were a lot of, you know, a lot of cities, a lot of places where we didn't, um, you know, where we where we couldn't previously reach. Um, uh, and so now we have, you know, student, you know, larger student reach even in our core markets. But the other thing that we've um, that we've been able to do and are are really excited about is, um, you know, we have. Ambition, the, 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 the fundamental need that we've been talking about, the need of employers to build a tech workforce, those tech workforces that companies are building are global. And people that are seeking that career change opportunity and are seeking access to a tech field, those are folks that are also all over the world. And so we want to be able to be that bridge between employers that need great talent and talent that's looking for a great opportunity. We wanna be able to deliver our services anywhere in the world. And so going virtual has also enabled us to accelerate growing our global footprint. We had you know, a, a, a great expansion most recently into France, into Japan and into other areas um, um, around the world far beyond what our original footprint was. And a lot of that has been enabled precisely because we've, um, we've gone virtual. When you have the international, you know, uh, you know, education, are the people planning? So let's say it's in Africa or Asia or Europe or have wherever. Are you anticipating the people stay and work there, or would they be remote workers for let's say Silicon Valley, or do they have their choice and say, hey, you know, maybe I'll stay where I live and get a job where I am, or I could take that certification, say that accreditation, and I don't know, let's see, maybe I want to try my hand at Silicon Valley, maybe I want to go to a startup in, I don't know, New York City. Is that, is yeah. that how it, it will work? Well, I think what you're speaking to, Jack, is, um, is the fact that for, for people who have digital and tech skills, they have a lot of choice. Yeah. Meaning the answer to your question is, you know, all of the above. If you are able to um, skill yourself in some of these really in-demand um, areas, then there's plenty of choice. You have employers that are staffing fully remote positions. You have employers that are still looking to hire remotely, and, or I'm sorry, staff on site. Um, and that's the whole point, right? The whole idea behind someone upskilling and reskilling themselves is to give themselves career choice and career resilience. So that if they want to choose to work remotely, there are plenty of employers now that have gone to you know, permanently remote first staffing. Um, and for those that are really looking to, to work someplace that is you know, more place-based, if the good news is if you've got these digital and tech skills, you've got a lot of choice in terms of, um, you know, in terms of employers that you can work for.
see, this is wild. You know, I think we're getting away enough from the pandemic that it doesn't sound crass to say, but I find there's so much great things have happened in the wake of this. And what you're talking about is one of them. Let me give you an example. Like I spoke to some of these folks at places like Deal and Remote.com and Angels List Talent. And what they've been doing, because they can't find talent here in the U.S., so they are kind of going global to find, you know, remote workers. And what struck me as just, just wild that if you and I had this conversation four years ago, we like, this is crazy. So then they would find people who have the skills already, let's say in Eastern Europe, in the Middle East, in, in, in Latin America. And so they work remotely for, let's say, Silicon Valley companies or U.S. companies. But then also they get paid in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. So now all of a sudden you get these kind of ecosystems in different countries where you have kind of a tech hub plus kind of a crypto hub, which is just mind blowing how in just a short time, you're, you're just, things are just changing so dramatically. I mean, truly Jack, I mean, can you think of any time, you know, in our entire lifetimes or careers where there has been this much evolution and revolution in the in the people and talent in HR space because I can't. No, I mean, no. it, it is it is absolutely. Um, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. Um, and I have to, you know, I have to give a shout out to um, all of the CHROs there of any role. All of our roles have evolved and changed dramatically. The role of CEO is already different today than it was two years ago. Um, every role in the organization is, but I think the role for whom that's most true is probably the, the CHRO. Because even just in your statement just now, Jack, I mean, you talked about changes in the way that recruit, changes in the way that, that companies um, select talent, changes in the way that companies pay talent, changes in the way that companies locate talent, um, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, it, it's, and I love seeing, you know, and this is interesting because we all go through this, you know, you come home after work, maybe, you, know, maybe you, you eat, you watch maybe some cable news, and then you find everybody just yelling at each other in their little boxes and fighting. Maybe you decide to scroll through social media, everybody's at each other's throats. But meanwhile, people like yourself, I speak to every day, like, you know, a couple of times a day, doing really cool stuff, but you don't see them as much. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this kind of podcast, because, you know, all you hear is doom, gloom, hate, anger, everything is terrible. I mean, yeah, things are rough. I, you know, yeah, some people have it even worse than others, but there's a lot of good that's coming up. If you could kind of to dial back to what you said earlier, so let's say you have somebody right now who's watching, who's miserable and happy in their job, dead end job, maybe they lost their job. And then, and you said it very casual, but to me, it sounds so important. And if you could be a learn Java, let's say in a 12 week period, or even, even, even more than that, 20 weeks. So what, 20 weeks is nothing in a lifetime. And so you can reinvent sudden, your career. Right, that, that is monumental. That is amazing. Yeah. Now, we can't, you can't guarantee that all of a sudden they're going to become this you know, chief technology officer overnight, but at least they're in the game. At least they have a chance. At least they have a exactly. path. At least they have direction. And to me, that's amazing. Or even data analytics, because that's such a hot area. You know, Absolutely. it's funny, right, right before we called, I was just you know, looking at LinkedIn and um, 
um, the, the woman who, uh, who I interviewed at uh, Tableau, chief data officer, was like, wow, I didn't know there were so many. She was referencing uh, 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 something I wrote today from Overstack. Like, I didn't realize how many jobs are out there and how many people are looking. And it's, 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 it's great. So for people who feel stuck, who feel lost, who don't know what to do, That's right. it opens up their door for a well-paying, you know, fast-growing career, right? That's right. That's a, that's exactly right. Um, you know, what one of the things that we say internally is, um, you know, when when people come to us, they're not just um, you know bringing their they're not just devoting you know their their time and 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 their money. They're really bringing their kind of you know their hopes and their dreams, um, and uh, because ultimately that's what you know that's what shifting a career is, right? It's like you're you're taking a bet on yourself. Um, and there, and even in all of the disruption um, that we've experienced in the labor market over the last two years, um, as you rightfully said, that disruption has, has bred some opportunity. It's bred tremendous opportunity, tremendous, um, a tremendous rethink of things that needed to be rethought, right? Um, I am, I'm, I'm happy that that we are in a place where your average sort of, you know, hiring manager or head of talent acquisition needs to be more open to looking at um, at talent in different ways as opposed to just all of the old traditional ways because that means yeah. op new opportunities for people. Now, what do you think? Because it's always tough when you have somebody, and this is even with the hybrid going back to the office remote, when you have people doing something for 20, 30, 40 years, it's so hard to change if they're used to, okay, let me see your college degree. Oh, wait, you jumped around too much and, and fall back on these kind of old style way of looking where we're in this kind of new paradigm. Do you think it just might take a little bit for you know, the heads of HR, chief people officers to kind of you know, get that, hey, the game has changed. It's not like it used to be. Why do you have to go to a four-year degree, spend literally two, $300,000 on that degree where maybe you could get someone who has great, and tell me if this, is, this makes sense in terms of people who could come to, to, to General Assembly, who just have the aptitude, have the drive, have the motivation, but don't have the money to spend you know, 100,000 a year, 70,000, 50,000 a year in tuition, but could learn and apply. And why can't that certificate be just as good if they could code as well, if not better, than the person who went to Carnegie Mellon, you know, Mellon or whatever. Well, I mean, look, I I think the you know the current reality has sort of forced that change, yeah. right? Because it, you know every everything is a matter of sort of you know risk reward, and in a in a you know in a in a cooler talent market. Right, where there are plenty of applicants, um, qualified applicants for one job, the sort of risk reward there is you want to be, you know, super selective, yes. and you're really, you know, and it's really just sort of screening. But you know, we're in a moment where, for a lot of roles and a lot of jobs, it's um, it's it's exactly the opposite, and so um, that has really forced a certain degree of sort of you know creativity and fresh thinking. There were there are always those innovative, um, there are always those innovative you know heads of talent, those innovative CHROs who even before the pandemic really mm -hmm. got this right. This is a this conversation about you know looking at you know non traditional talent and non traditional um, credentials um, is not two years old. It's you know over a decade old. 
Um, and, uh, and, and even older, if you think, you know, about kind of, you know, the, the history of, um, you know, kind of quality vocational training. But I think what's happened in the last two is that so much um, dramatic change and transformation in the talent market has taken folks that were maybe laggards or, or were resistors. And it's really forced a conversation to say, we just can't get the talent we need using yeah. the traditional methods and the traditional talent pools. We need to both diversify the methods and diversify the pools that we tap into. And to add on to that point, I've seen such a rapid change in, in how companies are treating employees as well. So that well, I'm seeing four, you know, four day work weeks, staggered schedule, flexibility, Hey, Lisa, you could come into the office when you want to, if you want to, you want to come in all week, great. You don't want to come in all week, fine. <laughs> Digital nomads. Uh, so you, you, you know, leaving, let's say San Francisco, going to a lower cost area, but still getting paid the same. So it is kind of remarkable. Mental health days off. Some companies like LinkedIn, which we're streaming on, close their offices for a week. So there's no pressure that you have to go on Slack and tend to emails and messages. If we had this conversation three years ago, you'd roll your eyes and be like, yeah, come on, come on, that's silly. That's not gonna happen. And it's right, and now it's commonplace. So you're right. So so the you know, the chief HR folks and the chief people officers and the exec, they're getting it. They're starting to realize, hey, and you hit it on the head in in, in a hot job market, they really have no choice but to do what's right for the employees because otherwise they can't recruit, you know, attract, retain them, and, and they're gonna leave. So it's almost like yeah. you have to offer this and you have to do this because you don't, as a company, you'll fall behind, no? Well, and I think there's also another angle here, which is, you know, effectively we were all thrust into sort of, you know, a grand experiment. And so there is also just legitimately much more evidence now than there was that people can be as productive and in many instances more productive in a remote environment, that you can get greater engagement if you allow adults to adults and make their own choices about when they work and how they work and where they need to work. Um, that, uh, that judging performance based on outcomes and mm -hmm. outputs is ultimately um, a much more, you know, is a, is a much stronger arbiter of sort of, you know, company performance and company health than FaceTime. Um, it may be obvious that those things are true now, but the truth is, is that, you know, we had an explosion of forced experiments, yeah. right, across every industry that have now validated a lot of the things that, you know, that, that, that people were just sort of, you know, yelling on street corners, you know, 10 years ago. Now we had to try all those crazy ideas. Right? And it turns out that a lot of them uh, were, were, were successful and were accurate. Well, to go back to the classes, I, this might not be a fair question because everybody's so different. But since you have your hands on the pulse of what's going on, the job market, you know, where the jobs are, do you have any kind of suggestions for people you know, would you focus on maybe skills that could go into virtual reality and the metaverse or, I mean, anything that you feel for people who aren't sure, like, hey, I want to get in this space, but I don't even know where to go, what to do. Do you have any, any, any thoughts like to, to, to kind of say, okay, if you're not sure, hey, here are some cool areas that you see there's a lot of growth potential. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I've, I've been thinking about the board. this a lot. Is it like everywhere? What? 
Well, I mean, look, here is, there are the things, I think there, there, there are two ways to look at it, right? There's, um, one is there are always going to be um, evergreen skills that no matter where we are in, you know, the evolution of any particular technology, you know, we could be on web six, web 10, web, you know, um, and, uh, and the truth is there are always going to be some evergreen skills that are going to be critical. And so, you know, if you ask me, what should, you know, young people think about um, what skills are going to be most critical, most evergreen, um, and, uh, and most, um, and give them the most longevity, it's things like the ability to learn, right? So, you know, a skill for learning, um, a skill for problem solving, critical thinking, being able to communicate well, being able to write well, um, and, you know, strong numeracy, like those are always going to be the basics. So once you have, you know, those, you know, once you have that, those sort of foundational, um, you know, those foundational skills, then it's really just a matter of at any given point in time, looking at the market and saying, if you want to be viable and marketable, then um, you know, up then then get in a pattern and a habit of um of 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 being a, a lifelong learner. Get in the habit of just saying every single you know every single year when you make your New Year's resolutions, think what in demand skill do I want to do I want to learn and and develop you know this year or this season or this quarter. Um, I think that one of the things that um, can be a uh, that can sometimes be an obstacle for folks is when you when you do get to um, a stage in your career where you feel like you have mastery in one field, it's sometimes hard to kind of humble oneself a little bit to go and yes. learn a new skill from the yes. very beginning. But but that ability to do that to really be an apprentice at any age, I think is really is really the critical thing because if you can if you can do that then you know whatever the skill du jour is you know it may be the metaverse today and that's going to be something else tomorrow whatever is the skill du jour that um, that that skill to be able to to learn um, and the sort of humility to be um, an apprentice many times over in one's lifetime and career I think or is you know is really the that's the most valuable. Skill. I love that advice because it's like, a, you know, I'm into kind of Buddhism and yoga and it's like the beginner's mindset, which is hard to do. Exactly. You kind of go into it with that. Exactly. You put your ego aside, have a fresh perspective, and then just focus on what you want to do without all the other you know, baggage attached to it. And that, with saying that, would you suggest if you're not sure, maybe take different classes to feel out how it is, because you may say, hmm, I want to be a programmer because you hear that's cool. I want to be a software designer where you feel that's like where I'm going to get all the money. But maybe that is right or not right to hedge your bets. Could someone do that? Like, can you, is, it, is it too challenging to take several things at once or, or, or one at a time? What, how, how would that play out? Sure. Well, I, I mean, you know, I would I would say now is a, a great time to um, be uh, an explorer, a career explorer and a skill explorer, because there are any number of, of no and low cost opportunities. You know, General Assembly certainly has 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 a few of them. We've got a number of kind of, you know, self-paced discovery um, you know, programs that you can, you know, access by even going to our website that give you a little taste of what 
it's like to be, you know, at the beginning of, you know, becoming a developer at the beginning of becoming an analyst, but there are many, 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 many others. It's, um, it's really a phenomenal time to, uh, you know, be able to, to be able to sit in front of one's computer and within a Google search or two have access to no and low cost content that lets you dabble a little bit to see what you're interested in. Um, and, uh, and I just love that. You know, I, abs I, I think that um, uh, it, it used to be that you had to make really, really deep commitments of time mm -hmm. and money to sort of explore, to shift careers. And now that's just no longer, that's just no longer true. See, that's great because you can kind of dip your toes in the water instead of jumping into the deep end, spending a fortune. You could say, hey, you know what? You know, data analytics seems interesting. Let me try that out. Or digital marketing. Hmm, maybe that's something I could do. Let me feel that out. And then say, because you're not, sometimes you and may have see. That's a right. preconceived notion. And one thing that struck me is really interesting when you mentioned just previously. See, it sounds to me like I would have assumed that, hey, if I would say I wanted to kind of learn how to code or do software, you know, you would want to have certain aptitudes. But when you mentioned just, you know, critical thinking, um, writing skills and communication skills, that's, that barrier isn't so hard compared to what I thought it might be, right? So that's doable, right? It's not like over, like, I, I figured you'd have to be like this, you know, what is it, the right brain, the right brain, like you really have to be kind of fantastic at it. So it sounds like if you have the drive, the desire, the want, and your critical thinking, some good communication skills, um, then, then you're pretty good to go, right? I mean, look, it's like, you know, entering into a tech field is, you know, is, yeah. is, is like entering into anything else, you know, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, a matter of both, um, you know, passion and, and aptitude right. for content. Some people are going to be drawn to technical content yeah. and, and, and many won't. Um, some are going to find that it comes naturally to them and others are going to find that other things, different things yeah. come naturally to them. I think the, the thing that is really exciting about this moment is that there are low barrier ways to explore yeah. something new. And once you hone in on what it is that you think that you want to do, there are so many more pathways um, that are affordable and that you know, do not um, require a huge opportunity cost in terms of time um, to make that career shift. Um, so so for, for, for people who've got the drive and have got the aptitude and, and are willing to, again, have that beginner's mindset, and I love that you brought mm -hmm. that up, um, there are just so many opportunities uh, to reinvent oneself and not just do it once, Jack, there are opportunities to reinvent one's career over and over and over again. I think that's the future now. I think that's how it's going to be where- I agree. You know, in, my, in our parents' generation, it was okay. You know, like my parents were teaching and they, that's it. They were teaching. They spent their whole career doing that. Now, particularly say Gen Z, you're going to see like five, six, seven careers and like four, five, six jobs within those careers. And that's good. And that's healthy. That's cool. Because things do change so quickly. Why do you have to be stagnant? You can say, hey, okay, I did X, but now I want to do Y. Now I want to do this. I want to, I think that's healthy. It keeps you fresh and keeps you interested. And that's exciting to see that you don't have to feel stuck. I'm this, and I'm going to be this for 40 years. If you think about it, that's kind of nuts. <laughs> Looking back, right? You say, okay, I'm going to do this because I started and I'm going to do this for 20, 30, 40 years when there's such a big world out there with so many other things to do and so many ways to learn new things to do. You know? That's right. That's exactly I, right. Can I, can I tell you, as a, I'll give you a, you know, 
anecdotal, you know, I didn't go to journalism school. I didn't take any writing courses. I just went, I was writing for my, my blog, for my company, my search firm, and you know, I enjoyed doing it. And then Forbes said, hey, would you like to write for us? And I'm like, sure. And I found a passion in later life. I'm not old, but I'm not young. But, and, and it was surprising because I kind of had that stereotype. Well, come on, I've been doing this forever. How could I kind of now start to do something else? And I found something I really love. And I think I'm okay at it. You know, maybe a little bit of average at it, but that's okay. Because I'm still, even though I've been doing like four years, I'm still learning and I'm still going and I'm cool with that. I don't mind, you know, like if I'll get, you know, things from editors or from, you know, you know, you're always going to get comments when you post things, but that's okay. Cause I'm like, all right, I'm learning. Everything you get me, I'm going to listen and absorb and, and, and learn from it and not, you know, and not take it to heart and say, how can I be better? So the same thing with, you know, people who are looking to go and learn to, you know, be a programmer or, 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 or a digital marketer or analyst. Yeah. You know, it might be some bumps in the road. It might be hard. It might, you know, you might look foolish at times, but so what? It's a long-term yes, goal. That that's counts. right. That's right. Well, and, and um, you know, it's interesting that you say that because that's actually, you know, one of the, one of the things that we um, really hone in on with our own learners and our own students is um, helping them sort of uh, combat a little bit of imposter syndrome, meaning sometimes the, the barriers to really being um, successful when, when, when changing tracks or switching careers isn't so much you know, the, the, you know, learning the kind of core technical content. Sometimes it's just believing that you can do it. It's believing that you are, you have the, the, the right to enter um, the field um, and be seen as a respected professional. Um, so I love that, you know, I love that you didn't use yeah. the phrase imposter syndrome, yeah. but it's, um, but that's really, but overcoming that um, is, uh, is really critical. I think I'm glad you said that because for a lot of people who are watching, they probably do feel that like, I'm not cut out for that. Uh, that's not me, yeah, you know? That's right. And by you saying that, it's like, wait, wait, why not? That could be me, you know? Of course that could be me. So yeah. that's- And that's especially true sometimes when you don't see um, role models yeah. um, that have your same sort of, you know, background or have come from the same field or look the same way that you do, you know, it's, um, you know, that can be particularly, um, you know, acute. Uh, uh, so, so um, yeah, I think it's really, um, it's really having not only that, that sort of beginner's mindset, which I think is one side of the coin, but the other side of the coin is um, sort of the self-confidence, you know, to believe that, um, that, 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 that you can persist and, uh, and, and achieve the goal. You know, it's, it's, I, could, I like to introduce you to these folks. So uh, have you ever heard there's a the Black and Brilliant uh, Network? It sounds so, I think so. Uh, Tell me, have you had them on your show? Yeah, not on the show, but I've, I've interviewed them. I'm going to probably have them on. Christine, are you still on the line or? Yes, I'm, I'm here. What is it, Tony? And I'm spacing out on Tony and Perky Ethic. Yeah. Brilliant. And, yeah. and what they're doing, what made me bring this up, Lisa, is that they're, the, they're, like, they're trying to help underserved people, Black, Brown, whatever, people who maybe aren't traditional in tech. And to have this kind of group where they'll mentor, coach, help, 
and show, because then they're saying like, what happens when you interview sometimes for a job, you're not familiar with the whole tech interview process. So you need somebody to kind of guide you through and hold your hand. So, so that kind of addresses what you were talking about where, you know, hey, people who haven't been in that space and don't know people in the space, how they can get there. So, so their book maybe, Well, I would, well, I, yeah. uh, it, it sounds certainly right up our alley, yeah. our alley yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and aligned with, uh, with our values. And that's, you know, and that's one of the reasons that even in the, in the work that, you know, that we do in our programs, it's not just about the technical content, but it's really coaching people coaching through that entire process, yeah. coaching and mentoring them through the imposter syndrome, coaching and mentoring yeah. through, you know, how do you get through a technical interview? How do you, you know, respond to, you know, fit questions? Yes. Um, you know, so it's both, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not just kind of, you know, learning the core content, but it's really um, the whole process, navigating that, that whole yeah. process. Well, this is great. I, I really love that you're able to walk it through. I hope the people who are watching uh, avail. Well, they, how can they reach you? How can, if they're interested, what's the best way to get in touch with you or General Assembly? Just uh, start uh, by by going to uh, our website. Um, it's uh, generalassemb.ly. So General Assembly with the dot before the um, okay. L and the Y is uh, is one good Last place year. for exactly. And for 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 those um, for those of the viewers that are on LinkedIn, um, I'm Lisa Lewin, and I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, so would love would love to um, to open up um, any conversations that way as well. And um, and I know we're we're nearly at time, but yeah. I want wanted to just say one one thing um, one other thing that really gives me energy sure. around this podcast in particular it's something that you said earlier which is um, you know creating space to focus on the good to focus on um, you know what makes us happy and what gives us energy um, I completely you know, I completely understand people who are doing the doom scrolling um, and can appreciate, you know, it's a, I, I say all the time, it's, you know, it's tough, um, you know, leading and working in what feels like, you know, an age of collapse, right? And so that's why I think it's ever more important, really, to create space like this and conversations like this, to really put a fine point and illuminate, A, the things that are working, the things where we're, you know, progressing, um, and uh, and the things that are giving us energy. So uh, thank you, Jack, for being uh, one of those my folks pleasure. that's creating that kind of space. My, my pleasure. The only, the only thing I have exception to is your background is better than mine. I like. I, I thought my <laughs> wallpaper was good, but you have a really cool background there. It's so our New can, York. Uh, it's our New York uh, headquarters. Yeah, you're so, giving me real uh, big competition. I got to up my game. I don't know what I can do back there to make it look better. And one other thing, as you open up your international offices. When you need somebody to check out, like, you know, France and all sorts of cool places, you know, maybe, you know, you need some outside person to check just to make sure. Exactly. Our next conversation will be yeah. from Paris, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. But I really appreciate so much. Thanks. This is great. And, you know, it's like you said, it's so important because people are really hungry for advice, guidance, what to do, how to reinvent themselves, how to find new jobs, where to go to. And, you know, it's one thing sometimes when you write about, you know, hey, you should go do this, but like, all right, how, where? So then when you have someone like yourself who could walk through, here's how you can do it and give really actionable advice that people could take and take action on it right away. That's awesome. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know as a CEO, you're really busy and, you're, and I know you're going internationally. You have a ton of things going on. So thanks for spending some time and, and sharing what, what you guys, what, all the great stuff you're doing. It was a real Excellent. pleasure. Um, thank you to you. And thank you to Christine. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you so much. Take, Take care. care. Bye now.